0: Hey, welcome back to a brand new episode of Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking. Today, we're in the fourth episode, the final episode of our study of Colossians. So we're going to talk a little bit about prayer, and we're going to see how Paul wrapped up his letter to that church and what guidance he gives us at the end. So let's read this, Colossians 4, we We're wrapping up the series. If you missed the first three episodes, go check them out. Now let's get it ready for this one. Let's do this. Thanks for joining me for a, another brand new episode of Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking. Today, uh, we're in Colossians 4, four. so if you missed the first three episodes of this series, go check them out on the podcast, or on YouTube, or on Instagram. We're live here on Instagram today, as we typically are on Mondays and Fridays, uh, but you can always catch these episodes on the podcast, Apple, Spotify, everywhere you listen to your podcast, you can check out these episodes. So today, we're diving into Colossians 4. Uh, Colossians 1, 2, and 3, this is a letter from Paul, as we've talked about, in case you missed the first three episodes. This is the Apostle Paul writing these letters from prison in Rome uh, to the churches that they have set uh, set out. Him and Timothy and others uh, have kind of established, writing them, encouraging them to stay focused on Jesus, focusing on prayer, focusing on this new commitment, this new you know testament, this new uh, kind of uh, agreement with God that we have salvation through Jesus and not through our works or our good deeds and all that stuff. Uh, so this is the fourth chapter uh, of uh, of Colossians. Uh, It's pretty short. We're going to dive into it. It's going to be easy to do. Uh, So let's dive into Colossians 4. As a reminder, Monday's episode is a mailbag episode. So make sure you submit your question to podcast at livingchristian.org. And we're going to do our first Monday mailbag episode uh, ever. I think we're going to do those once a month, which would be a lot of fun. So make sure you do that. Uh, If you want any other details on that, check out my socials and I'll have details on that. So let's dive into Colossians 4. Have a sip of coffee and uh, it's going to start off, uh, well, let me read the first line, and then we'll dive into two. So the first one is just masters be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you always have a master in heaven. This kind of ties into Colossians 3. It's kind of the ending of Colossians 3. Uh, so if you missed that episode, check it out. But we talked about that <clears throat> kind of slave-master relationship uh, and how we are all uh, you know, devoted to the master in heaven, which is God which is Jesus. Uh, So let's um, move on to verse 2, which is going to dive into prayer. Uh, Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So this is a, I would say, a powerful, simple instruction, right, on what Paul wants us to do and how we need to attempt and pray on a daily basis. Devote yourself in prayer, which we all should. I love this part. With an alert mind and a thankful heart. So think about what he's saying there just for a second. So with an alert mind, what does an alert mind mean? Typically, what an alert mind means is you're awake, you're, you're paying attention, you're listening, right? It's not all about you know, barking orders or asking for things from God like he's some sort of genie. Uh, We need to have an alert mind in the sense of our mind is focused, we're focused on prayer, and we're listening to God, okay? We are receptive to what his instruction is. And obviously with a thankful heart, uh, we need to approach our prayer not as a list of things we need, you know, we want or we think we need, But first and foremost, by giving thanks. Uh, And if you've followed me for a long time, you know kind of uh, what I've talked about uh, in the past is I like to thank God for three things in prayer before even asking for one. I love that balance that I like to do. I love to be come into prayer and open my prayer with a thankful heart, thanking God for what he's done for me in my life before kind of going to him with some things that I may need. Okay. All right. So let's... uh, Let's continue in verse 3. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. Got to think even at this point there's a little not skepticism but um unsureness about what's going to happen next. They 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 you know they knew Christ, they knew what he taught, but they were wondering what the next steps were, which is interesting. Uh, All right, where were we? Pray for us, too. Mysterious plan uh, concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains, once again, in prison, in Rome, for preaching the good news and going against what they want him to do. Verse 4, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. So he is asking for guidance from his people, from the church, the people in the churches that they set up. And he's asking them to pray for him so he can preach and proclaim the good news and talk about Jesus as clearly as he should. So it's starting that kind of balance of, hey, part of our duty as church members, right, is to pray for the people that run the church, for our pastors, right, for because the, they're going to guide us, but hey, they need guidance too. So please pray for your pastor. In this instance, please pray pray for Paul. All right. Verse five, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. He acknowledges the fact that we will be living in a, a society, a world of unbelievers that don't always believe the way we do, who don't follow Jesus. So because of that, Uh, he's asking for prayer that we can make the most of those opportunities. The opportunity, because I love the fact that he says, who are not believers, so he's identifying people in his life that are not believers in Christ, and what he does is make the most of every opportunity. He's treating those unbelievers as opportunities to tell them about Jesus. He's not rejecting the unbelievers. He's not saying I don't want to be around the non-believers. What he's saying is, hey, pray for me so that I can take this opportunity, right, and share the good news with them about Jesus. I mean, that's something we should all pray for. Whether it's our pastors or whether each other, praying for us and others to make the most of the opportunities that Jesus lays out for us, especially with having the opportunity to spread that news, spread the word of Jesus, spread the love of Christ to those people who either don't believe or haven't been exposed to that yet. So that's something we should probably pray for in our own lives, of not praying to get people out of our lives, or, hey, I I don't want to deal with this person who's ridiculing me or making fun of me for my beliefs, but praying for those opportunities to have conversations. Uh, All right, so the next part kind of goes into his final instructions, and this is part of kind of setting up the church structure a little bit. If you want to read more about that, read the book of Acts, written by Luke, and that talks about um, the the structure of the church, and he goes into that a little bit here, and I'm going to butcher half of these names, so I apologize because there's a lot of kind of old names in here that um, I will probably butcher, but uh, forgive me. Uh, so Paul's final instructions and greetings. Uh, all right. We'll start strong here in 7. And we will give you a full report on how I am getting along. He is, he is the beloved brother and faithful helper of those who serve me in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. I am also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus, I'm once again terrible at that name, uh, will tell you everything that's happening here. So what he's saying is he's setting up these other individuals to be in the place of Paul and to kind of lead these churches. So he's sending these people there and say, hey, they're going to let you know how we're doing. They're going to let you know about the good news and trust them with what they say. All right, verse 10. Um, once again, Arista, Arista Aristarchus, I'm butchering that, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings. So does Mark. I got that one. Uh, Barnabas' cousin. Uh, As you instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justice, not Jesus Christ, uh, just one of the other fellow disciples or apostles in their world, uh, also sends his greetings. These are only the few Jewish believers among my co-workers. They are working with me here in the kingdom of God, and what a comfort they have been he's bringing these people together to say hey i've got gentiles and jews together i need you to follow them and listen to what they say when they come to the church a papyrus a member of your own uh, own fellowship and servant of Christ Jesus sends you his greetings he always prays earnestly for you asking god to make you strong and perfect fully confident that you are following the whole will of god i can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers of ladocia and uh, Okay, so here's the thing on that section. He is letting those followers in this church of Colossae understand that there's going to be Jewish people, there's going to be Gentile people. Well, We're all followers of Christ. And listen to them because they are with me. Verse 14, Luke, we all know Luke, the beloved doctor, uh, sends his greetings, so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters, Laodicea and Nympha and the church that meets in her house. After you have read this letter, pass it on to the church, Laodicea, so they you can read it, or they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them. Okay. <clears throat> so once again, he's charging these church members with spreading the news. Take this letter that I'm writing and send it to this other church, because they need to know too. So this is part of our duty as a church, as the body of Christ, which is to share the word about Jesus and share, not just in our homes and not just to our family and friends and not just to fellow believers, but to other church organizations, to other kind of places of worship, bodies of Christ that have spread across the country. So I think one thing that our church does here where I live, uh, we work collectively a lot with the other churches in my town. There's no competition there. We're not all the same denominations, but there are plenty of times when we have large events, right? That we bring in the other churches uh, and kind of collectively hold events and do things. Uh, together. We do that for some of our Christmas stuff. We do that for some of our Easter things. We have a big Easter celebration at the football stadium. A lot of times it's kind of a collective effort our church leads in, but we'll bring in other churches or invite other church members, not because we're trying to recruit them to our church versus the other church, is because we're trying to act as one body of church, one body of Christ. Uh, So that's something I think that Paul is encouraging here a little bit about, hey, as you read these letters, Philippians, Colossians, Galatians, all these letters to these churches, hey, we're all in this together. We're all believers in in Christ, uh, and and we need to share our letters and share the gospel with each other. All right, and to say to Archippus, uh, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. Remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. So he kind of finishes this letter with, once again, reminding us that he is in chains, that he is in prison, and the why he's in prison. And to remember that, hey, you know what? He is in a place that is kind of miserable, right, obviously, but he is out there still glorifying Christ. He's out there glorifying God and preaching the good news and writing these letters and keeping his faith in God. So no matter where you are today, what Paul wants us to remember is remember your own chains. Remember his chains. Remember the burdens that we are. Or maybe we're in a tough spot. Maybe we're in a place in our lives that um, feels like a prison. Uh, We don't feel close to God. Uh, We feel like we're being shackled and held back. Uh, We're in a place we can't accomplish the things we want to accomplish. But what Paul wants to encourage us is, even though you may be in a place that you don't want to be in. Physically, emotionally, mentally. May God's grace be with you. Keep the faith in God. Keep the focus on Jesus just like Paul did. He did this one of the all the great some of the greatest writings in this Bible are written by the Apostle Paul while he was imprisoned. Which is amazing. Out of out of suffering comes beauty. Okay, and that's something I think that we forget sometimes is sometimes we need to or have to go through painful situations in order to a bring our relationship closer with God, but also have beauty on the other side. Right. Out of darkness can come light. So no matter what I would encourage you to say, no matter where you are in your life right now, if you're frustrated, feel stuck, feel like you can't accomplish what you need to accomplish. Work on your relationship with God first. Keep focused on Jesus. Glorify God in the storm. And I promise you, he will bring you out of the other side. Think about what he did with Paul's writings here. We're over 2,000 years later, and we're reading them and discussing them on a podcast and on Instagram and encouraging us uh, 2,000 years later, which is amazing. So God did that. Paul wrote it. And he was in a tough situation, but God has given us this Bible thousands of years later and showed us these reading or these writings that Paul did. What an amazing thing that God can do. So no matter where you are in life right now, keep your focus. Uh, I promise you, God can use what you're going through, just like he did with Paul. All right? All right, sip of coffee. It's still kind of hot. Uh, let's uh, answer some questions. So if you're live with me here on Instagram, make sure you hit... That question mark here on the bottom, and uh, I will answer a few questions now. Once again, as a reminder, if you're watching this live or listening to it this weekend, we're doing a Monday monthly mailbag session on Monday, all q and I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, just drink some coffee and answer some questions. So submit questions to that. Uh, I'll post uh, on my socials later on how to do that. Uh, but it's just going to be emailing at podcast at livingchristian.org. Make sure you include your name. And your location, so I can read those live on Monday. Uh, All right, let's have uh, a couple of questions. We got a bunch in here. Keep reading or keep asking uh, as much as you want. I'll try to read a few of these. Uh, Okay. Uh, First one, you know, I like to read the first one no matter how hard it is. (laughs) I have a glutton for punishment sometimes. Susie asked the Old Testament states God rested on the seventh day, which was Saturday, and kept it holy. Correct. Is the day we should be attending church? Is that the day we should be attending church? church. You know, there's a lot of—I've uh, I've, I've talked about this a little bit in the past—there's a lot of kind of conversation in the church realm about that. Uh, on, uh, in Catholicism, I know they still hold kind of Sun or Saturday night mass. There's a little bit of that. <coughs> I'll tell you a little bit—excuse me—a little bit of history there. Uh, so the re- there's two reasons from my uh, studies that, uh, you know, we go to church on Sunday uh, as opposed to Saturday. Uh, first and foremost, uh, we go back to the Resurrection. Uh, Good Friday happened uh, Christ was crucified he was uh, risen uh, three days later and if you go to the way the math works that is on Sunday okay so uh, because Christ rose on Sunday the early Christians uh, one of the reasons why they chose that is because we were, we were kind of glorifying or, or, or celebrating the day that Jesus, saved us and rose from the dead and shocked the world, quite frankly. And, and he did the impossible by being risen from the dead on Sunday. That's one reason why we go to church on Sunday. The other reason is, quite frankly, at the time, uh, you know, of the time in Reed, Acts and Luke and all the apostles were building these churches up, uh, you know, we were trying to, we, I wasn't there, but they were trying to differentiate themselves from Saturday Uh, temple and so forth that the Jewish people went to, right? They're giving an alternative, not to take the Jewish people away from their Saturday worship, but to go, hey, we worship on Sunday. Come on over and learn about Jesus Christ. So it was kind of an alternative to Sunday. And a lot of these people were Jewish at the time before we kind of have modern day Christianity. So that's the second kind of reason uh, why we do it on, uh, on, um, on Sunday, which is on our now Gregorian calendar is the first day of the week. Uh, so long story short, it doesn't really matter, but, uh, you know, that's the reason why we go to church on Sunday and not Saturdays. In case you're wondering. All right, let's see what other questions we have. Uh, and I'll scroll through a few of these things. Uh, when is the coming back of Jesus? Uh, I, I don't know. No man knows the, uh, the day or the hour or the year. Not even Jesus knew back then. Nobody knows. All right. Nobody knows. Uh, And and I've talked extensively about this in the past, Uh, but uh, um, he'll come when he comes. And, uh, you know, we can sit here and agonize our entire life, wondering when he's going to show up and save us from this wretched world. We can have that attempt at life or we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and glorify God and try to get people who don't know Jesus to know Jesus while we're here. That's what he wants us to do. So do I think he's coming back in my lifetime? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Does it matter to me? I mean, yeah, it'd be great, but I don't think about it too often, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, I think you can read a lot into... Uh, the signs, and you can read a lot uh, of correlation with what's in Revelation versus what's happening right now. But a lot of people, every generation seems to think they're in the end times. So, uh, my short answer is I don't know when Jesus is coming back. And until that day, I'm going to tell everybody I can about him. Uh, that is what I'm doing. All right, let's see uh, another question here. Um, uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you believe is the difference, the reason? Uh, for the New Testament and the Old Testament? That's a good question. Maybe uh, there's some people that are unfamiliar with how the Bible is broken up. I'm happy to answer that question. Uh, So if you read the New Testament first and then go back and read the Old Testament, you realize that the entire thing is about Jesus. There's a reason why in the beginning, uh, in Genesis, uh, it said that God uh, made uh, man and woman And, uh, you know, in in the image of us, right? Talks about us several times in Genesis. He's talking about God, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So he was there at the beginning. Now, the difference between uh, the Old and the New Testament is kind of twofold. One is the Old Testament was your traditional Torah, uh, which was the Jewish book, which was uh, written by Moses. uh, And that was kind of the the old covenant or the old way to be with God uh, for eternity was, hey, to abide by this. Old kind of covenant, this old agreement with God that said you need to abide by these rules, you need to act a certain way, you need to do these things. And here's some history. This is the reason why, and this is how it's going to work. Now, post Jesus, once Jesus is born, now there's a new agreement with God, or a new covenant, or a new way to be joined with the Father in heaven, and that is through Christ. Okay, so that's the main difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is before Jesus and after Jesus. This is how you got close to God uh, pre Jesus, and this is how it is now. Now we have a new agreement, a new covenant with God, a new testament with God, which talks about Jesus and His God's grace through Christ and how He died for our sins and He His sacrifice right uh, was fulfilled all of the laws. His sacrifice washed our sins away. No longer we had to do animal sacrifices and all these other things. That was the old way. This is the new way. So if you're new to the Bible, Old Testament is the old way. New Testament is the new way. Uh, it's important to read both. You got to understand that Jesus was there from the beginning. Uh, and You got to understand how we got to where we are. And you got to understand why Jesus had to come and save us from ourselves, because we couldn't do it. The Old Testament is full of, of how, showing how we couldn't do it. Now, I would also say this, and this is a, a side note, the entire Bible is full of the same story over, over, over again, okay? Uh, and, and that's an interesting—that's a whole other episode. Uh, but the the story of the resurrection, even the story of uh, the revelation, right, the revealing of Christ is shown in every single story throughout the Old Testament, which is kind of interesting. Uh, And I'll talk more about that, maybe another episode. That's an interesting topic. But that's the main difference between the Old and the New Testament. All right, let's see what we got. We got lots of questions here. Let me scroll through, and I probably have time for one or or two more. Have you ever watched The Chosen, the TV show? Uh, I'll answer that question, sure. Um, uh, Yeah, I've watched all three seasons, uh, enjoyed it immensely, Uh, I think it's a good TV show. It's nice to have something on TV that is uh, Bible-based and talking about Jesus. Not all of it is perfect. Uh, It is still entertainment. It is still a TV show. Uh, But I think Dallas and and that crew over there uh, have put together something that I think is impacting the world. It feels like it's impacting the world. People are talking about it. Millions of people are watching it. Uh, So uh, I think that's a glorious thing. Uh, You can nitpick you know, some of the liberties they take in there that aren't exactly biblical. But quite frankly, you know, they took the stories and kind of added on to them and added some color to them. That's okay. That's normal. Uh, so take it for what it is. If it encourages you to go read the Bible, then even better. So I would say that the Chosen series has probably caused more people to learn about Jesus and to go read the Bible than anything else has in a long time. So with that— I am grateful for it. Uh, and it's fun. It's a good, uh, entertaining show. It's very well done, to be honest with you. Very well done. All right. One uh, one other question, and uh, we'll be getting out of here. Um, all right. Uh, one, thank you for these Bible studies. <clears throat> this is from Ashley. Uh, it's been a blessing. As a new parent, curious, how did you and your wife integrate Jesus in your children's lives? Great question. Great question. me have a sip of coffee. I'll answer that. Um, you know, we made sure— um, that uh, two things one is that we weren't shy about talking about Jesus. Uh, you know, our girls went to church, uh, with us, uh, right out of the gate. Uh, you know, we always in, in involved them, uh, in, in, in church and uh, making sure that they understood that that was reality. The other thing is, I think we try not always successful, but I think we do a pretty good job. Uh, try to make sure that we're good Christian examples for our children. You know, children are a byproduct of their environment, and uh, you know, we made sure that we had God in the middle of our marriage. We made sure we prayed before every meal. We made sure that uh, they knew uh, that uh, we would read our Bible, that we you know, relied on God, that we prayed, and we were trying to be good examples uh, of, of Christianity and Jesus in our household. I think that's important. Uh, I think, um, you know, first and foremost, whether it's your children or other people, they you know, see Christ through you and through your actions, and through your reactions. Uh, So I think uh, fundamentally, it wasn't forced upon my kids. It was just part of our lives, because it's part of our life. It's part of me. It's part of my wife, and they know that, and they see that. Uh, So my kids know I do this. They think it's kind of cool that I run Living Christian. Uh, They follow along here as well, and uh, they have friends that are in college that follow along with me here, uh, which is cool. So they're, uh, they're not a they're they're not afraid to uh, tell people that their uh, parents are Christian, that they go to church, that their dad runs Living Christian, all those things. This is part of our lives, and I think it's uh, you got to make it, uh, you know, the key part, the main part of your day of your life. And your kids are watching. I promise you, uh, your kids are watching. Uh, so how you act, uh, your kids will be watching, including how you profess your faith. Okay, uh, that's how we did it. So I encourage you guys to do it the same way. A sip a coffee and let's have a prayer. Okay, dear Heavenly Father, first I want to thank you for bringing us together today. I want to thank you for giving us this forum where we can spread the good news and talk about Jesus and read the Bible via the internet and via podcasting and via Instagram and those that mechanism that you know wasn't here. Uh, when I was younger, that is now here now, and you're giving us these opportunities and these vehicles to talk about you, and I am forever grateful for that. I'm also thankful that you brought us together. I'm thankful for the community here at Living Christian, the people that I see uh, on this app and, and watching this on YouTube and listening to this to the podcast. I see the questions come across. I see the comments, and um, it's a blessing to have this community, Lord, and it's all It's all about you, and you've brought us together, Uh, and we are just here trying to glorify your name. Please be with everybody watching or listening to this today. I I pray that you bless their lives. You help them get out of their uh, struggles that they're dealing with right now, as we talked about today in Colossians 4. I'm praying that you help them and give them the strength to work through their challenges and stay focused on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, have a great uh, great weekend. Remember, Monday is uh, mailbag day, so uh, send your question in. I'll be posting that later, uh, but uh, you can just email podcast at livingchristian.org. Let's get a bunch of questions in for me to choose. I'll see you guys Monday for that. It'll be a fun episode. Until next time, keep Jesus on your heart and forever on your mind. God bless you guys.